Well, I hope you know that uh, here on campus we are, um, we are in Mental Health Awareness Week. And in fact, if you didn't know this already, there's going to be therapy dogs on campus today in the Billy. <laughs> right? They'll be here right after chapel. If, if you're going to go get your coffee, go, go pet a dog too. It's going to be really good. So I have the, uh, the privilege of, of um, just welcoming uh, with you our, our, our panel today. So Joe Biancardi is our director of uh, counseling services here at UNW, and he's brought some guests along with him today uh, to serve on this panel to have this discussion. And so would you um, welcome our guests to the stage this morning with me? And join me in prayer uh, as, we, as we welcome them. God, thank you for this moment. Thanks for this day. Uh, it is a gift from you. And, uh, and God, this conversation we know um, is important. And, 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 and so God, move in this time. God, this is, uh, we just want you to guide our hearts through this. And, and thank you for um, uh, our panelists who are sharing a part of their story today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning, Northwestern. I'm, I'm glad to be with you today. And as we begin this morning, I, I want to thank Darren and the spiritual formation team, as well as student government, uh, for their faithful partnership with us, uh, addressing mental health concerns uh, each and every year, and for creating this space that we can have a pretty frank discussion. This morning, uh, we are going to embark on a frank discussion about depression and suicide. For some, this may be a difficult discussion as so many are impacted by suicidal action each and every day. I want you to feel free to do whatever you need to do this morning to care for yourself. As you walked in, uh, you were handed a card uh, that says, the way through is together. And this is gonna be the theme of our discussion today. When struggling, it's natural to look for a way out, and yet the answer isn't found in escape, it's in persevering through. And this is not something one does alone, but in relationship. So why this topic? Major depression is one of the most common disorders in the world today, and in fact, it is the leading cause of disability globally. Here at home in the U.S., nearly 7% of adults aged 18 or older will have experienced at least one depressive episode in the last year. That represents over 16 million Americans. In fact, our Academic Achievement Office that uh, manages our disability support services uh, has told me that depression is the number one uh, accommodation that our students receive here at Northwestern. Now, a sign of depression is hopelessness. And so, therefore, it's not uncommon for a depressed person to struggle with suicidal ideation. And suicide is the second leading cause of death uh, in this country, ages 18 to 34 in 2019. Going back even further, as the slide on the screen shows you, that age band expands to age 44, going as back as recent as 2015. One person in this country takes their life every 12 minutes and 18 seconds. This is a pandemic that does not get talked about nearly enough. 
By way of comparison, in 2020, actually in 2020, nearly 45,979 Americans took their life by suicide out of an estimated 1.2 million attempts. That is a very sobering number to me, as I'm sure it is to you. Here in Minnesota in 2020, 1,167 persons under the age of 65 have died from COVID. This is something that has been in our consciousness the last two years. At that same time, nearly 600 people have died in the state in the same period. That's more than half. Going back to 2017, 783 deaths were by suicide here in Minnesota. So I think you can see why this is an important topic. I know that many of you are struggling, are carrying weights and burdens. Sometimes your thoughts are dark and you don't know what to do. And in God's providence, he has ordained that sometimes healing comes through story. And in that vein, uh, I wanna welcome our panel today who have been so gracious to share their story um, with us today as a community. So. Um, as we turn our attention, I'd like to ask you, each member, to uh, identify yourselves and um, how, why you wanted to be here and how depression and suicide has impacted your life. Hi, I'm Bart Ashworth, and um, I am the father of three students that were here at uh, Northwestern, uh, one here being the audience. Uh, my daughters uh, both got bachelor's degrees here. And then I have a son that was spent uh, two years at PSEO here. And uh, eight months ago, he uh, took his own life, um, battling depression, unbeknownst to us. It was something that he kept to himself. But he was a very generous person. He sat right here in chapel, right alongside of you, and um, didn't let anyone know what he was truly battling inside. He kept it balled up inside, and he didn't let it out. Um, he struggled, uh, just like the rest of us struggle. Um, 18-year-old, um, we all go through different struggles. But he did not let anyone know. He was very generous. He loved ministry. He loved going to junior camp and senior camp. Uh, he lived for that. He was very generous. He gave constantly to uh, the camps in his church in every way he could. But uh, just wanted to be here today because if I can reach, if I could help reach someone that could reach out and touch someone and be that listening ear or if you're struggling yourself, that you would talk to someone. Struggling is not a weakness. It means you're human. We all have struggled from time to time, but the difference is getting help. Thank you, Bart. My name's Brittany Keel. I am a mental health professional, a therapist here in the cities, and my connection to this panel specifically is I work with depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation every day, and a friend of mine, who also happened to be a colleague, died by suicide within the past couple years. And she and I were very close. And as a therapist, I think sometimes we think we're exempt. But just as a cardiologist, 
can have heart issues, therapists are human too. And so my goal today would be similar, just to let you know you're not alone, to let you know what it can look like, and to know what it's like on the other side. My name is Scott Sheets, and uh, I'm a pastor, and uh, I'm here on the panel. I have um, had the unfortunate uh, um, duty of doing a couple funerals for suicide victims. One was a friend of mine, and another one was a young man that grew up in uh, the church, and uh, I ended up mentoring for some time, and uh, in 2019, uh, he ended up taking his life, and <clears throat> wanted to be here just because uh, often uh, it's just that sense some people just feel there's no way out, and even um, as Joe shared in his uh, opening um, comments, that it's going through it, and, and unfortunately this young man didn't think there was a way through it, and and decided that was that was the only option. He was a very successful young man. Um, one of these people you'd look at and you'd think he had everything going for him. And um, it's it's that hidden stuff, like you said, is when trying to keep it in the dark. And that's that's where Satan loves to lie, is in the darkness. Um, and and God really wants to bring that kind of stuff out to the light so it can be dealt with. Thank you. I know sometimes. Um, there are these distortions, these lies that uh, are easy to believe, like, well, people will be better off without me. And these are rationalizations that sometimes um, a depressed person might engage uh, as, as part of their, their process. And what is your answer to that sort of thought process? I'll, I'll go ahead and just share, just because the, the young man... Um, that uh, took his life in 2019, he did leave a note and shared some of those things that he really felt like he was doing everybody a favor, that it was just going to be better for everybody for him um, to take his life. He was going to, you know, that way he wouldn't hurt anybody anymore. Um, he felt like he was, you know, just going to hurt people um, if, he, if he continued to live. And, and the lie of that is I worked with the family for the years after, and uh, I called the father before this panel because I wanted to make sure it was okay for, for me just to share, you know, about their son, but um, the one thing I, I appreciated about the, the family is they didn't keep it in the dark. Um, even at the funeral, they said, no, tell him he committed, so tell him the struggle. You know, they, they read some of the letter because that doesn't eliminate the pain of the family. I mean, they, they still ache. The siblings still ache. And so, you know, you're, you're not helping anybody by taking your life. Thank you, Scott. The first thing that popped in my head when you said this idea of people will be better off without me. We're not. We're not better with you not here. Um, it's a really common thought among individuals with depression or anxiety or any other mental health condition or just human condition, that things get overwhelming and not being here anymore sounds really good. It sounds like relief and release. Um, and I know for Emily, it was that she had a lot going on. Um, in fact, the morning that I got the call that she had died, I knew what it was. Um, and the person who called me didn't know how she had died and I knew how she had died. And we're not better. Um, you will be missed a lot and you're worth fighting for 
Like you're worth the work of working through. Thank you. I, I, I think that many people think that that's the answer, that they'd be better off. But in reality, that, without sounding really raw and crude, that's selfish. And what that is, is they're looking inward. And they're not thinking about how this will affect others, how will it affect everyone else. They think that extracting themselves from the equation, everything would be better. So, you know, they don't look at how it will affect everyone else's aspect. It's, this for me today has been eight months. It's just as raw today as it was the first day. You know, grieving is, 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 is a tough thing. But you can't allow yourself to go down that road of thinking, if I extract myself from this equation, things will be better. They're not. It affects everyone, everyone else. It's affecting this today. Thank you. I know... As a mental health professional, as pastor, as a as a as a Christian supporting another Christian, right? We we see that in times of grief, there's this communal aspect that that we bear witness to to one another's mourning. And um, a colleague once said that uh, suicide doesn't end pain; it it merely recycles it. And I wonder like how in your own life as as a father as a friend as a friend and pastor like how how has and then there's much months difference between how recent the loss is for each of you. you each of you have said it's not the answer it's not the same it's it's it still hurts um how how is that loss impacting you how you even relate to other people how does it impact how I how relate to people? Just the loss of it. It informs my work differently. Um, I actually inherited clients that my friend had been working with and had sessions as a therapist I never thought I'd have. Um, and they turned out to be really hard and really lovely. And so, my friend's name is Emily. She pops in my head all the time, right? The, the pain of that never goes away. Like, it never doesn't suck. It never doesn't hurt. Um, and so I think when you experience it on your own, it gives you a different insight of everybody's got something, right? And so it informs how I look at life. It informs how I interact with people. It creates more grace and space in working with people because I do this for a living and I still can use more of that space to, to let people be human and to remind anybody that 
you're not alone. The numbers Joe shared at the beginning should be enough to tell us that, but knowing and believing are very different things. Mm. Thanks, Brittany. <clears throat> yeah, as far as, you know, how did it just kind of impact me and, and, and working with people, um, you know, there's, there's always this sense, and probably for, for friends and others, you know, could I have done something? You know, there's, there's that, that sense, you know, here I mentored this young man, and, and you know, what did I do wrong? And, and, and having to work through just in, in my own life, too, is like people do make choices as horrible as, as sometimes they are. Um, but just working with the family and... Uh, and, and the parents, and, and they're asking those same questions, you know, <laughs> could we have done something, could we have done something, and, and getting to the place of, uh, you know, just really looking to God. I mean, at, at that point, it's like, you know, Lord, ultimately, um, we just got to lean on you in these times, because we don't have all the answers. I think that was the one thing working with the family was just accepting we're not going to have all the answers, and never probably will in this life, you know, and and that's okay. We're not all knowing. Um, but, uh, you know, I think those were some of the things just working with, with people and, and how it uh, impacted me was just processing, you know, my own thoughts of, you know, what could have I done? What, what couldn't I have done? And, and how that worked and just coming to accept the reality that, you know, people do make their own choices and, um, and, and we just can only love those that the family that's here, you know, in the midst of that, I think accepting that, I'm not going to solve all the problems, you know. Thank you. There's a, there's a kind of a theme there of, of guilt. I think that, that is very natural for people to, to experience. And um, wondering, like, in, in your own experience of, of that, thank you, Scott, uh, for, for Bart and, and, and Brittany, like, how have you helped people navigate um, that space of, if I'd only, if I'd only seen the signs, if I'd only, which is kind of a, hearing you, Scott, is like a, a, a foolish question in a way. It's a really normal question. So if you know somebody who um, has either died by suicide or attempted or even shared thoughts of it, with you. I think because we're human and relational creatures, we have this like desire to help and fix and want to take pain away from people that we care about, which is where that comes from of the like, I should have, I should have, I should have, or I should have known, I should have said. And there's nothing you could have done or said. If somebody is committed to it and has it in their mind, they're not as you know them. Right? And so it's not your fault. It's everybody makes their own choices. And so it's a really, really normal response. And it's coming from caring about them, right? And wanting to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. Um, it's really, really normal to want to gather as much information as you can about what happened and what was going on because our brains really like when things make sense. And so if we have enough information, it might make sense. Yeah. We're never gonna get enough information for suicide to make sense. It just sucks. Yeah, thank you. I, 
I think sometimes, you know, we have this hard, we, we know the verses, but we have a hard time living it. Like, um, we know that, that it's okay to be weak, that God's strength is made manifest in, in our weakness. And, and one of the things you said, Bart, early on in, in talking about Bo was you talked about he, he held things in. And what, what would you want to say to a person out here that might be struggling, that feels like they have to be strong and like they, they got to hold it all together? Um, what, what comes to your mind? I think we're all human and we all have our own struggles. We all struggle at something one or one way or another, but it's okay to struggle. I mentioned that earlier, but it's okay to struggle, but you can't struggle alone. You have to share that with someone. You have to reach out to someone. And, you know, oftentimes people say, well, find someone you trust or find, you know, find someone. You know, hopefully you'll find someone you can trust, but find someone, reach out, get help. You know, I, I, uh, you're talking about guilt and, you know, uh, there, the aspect of grieving, there's, there's different things that you, phases you go through, the five phases. But uh, with suicide, there's more phases, or another one or two, is survivor's guilt or guilt of what could I have done, how could I have helped if I had just listened or if I had just, you know, what if, what if, what if. You know, we, we just have to try to, you know, ask what we went through. It's like what I'm looking for now that I've gone through this with my son is looking in the faces of someone else and trying to find out, are they hurting? Do they need someone to listen to them? And listening for that little, small, little voice saying, help me from inside them. You know, oftentimes we go through life and not look for that, but I'm looking for that in people now. It's like, are they someone that needs help? Are they crying out in their own way? And they're not screaming out. They, they may be ashamed of feeling the th- and, and thinking the thoughts of suicide. And they don't want anyone to know because now I'll be labeled suicidal or I'll be labeled as weak. But that's okay if you get help. There's always hope. Always hope. Thank you. One, one thing, Joe, just kind of following up on that with that previous question and connection with that is the number of people I encountered in the family and friends that were so ready to help if he had reached out. Mm. And I mean, that's what I want to tell you guys. There are people wanting to walk with you if you let them know. If, if you take that step to get it out from under the carpet, out from that hiding spot and say, I'm hurting. I, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. There are people that desperately want to help and walk with you. Yes. And there were so many people that if he would have just said something, would have done. They would have, he lived out of state. They would have flown down there in a heartbeat. Right. Mm-hmm. There's people that want to help. Mm. Thank you. Well, it's hard to believe, but our time has nearly ended already. <laughs> it goes so fast. Um, I want to thank you for, for sharing your stories of your connection 
um, being willing to share of your, of your pain um, with with Bo, with Emily, with Jeremy, um, and and hopefully sharing a message that you hear students a message of hope. If you're concerned about someone in your life, I really want to encourage you to check in with them about how they're doing. Don't be afraid. It's not up to you to fix anybody, right? Just simply support, point them to a resource uh, that's available, like counseling, like health services, student care. If you are one who is struggling this morning, I want to speak right now to you, no matter how dark it may be or how it feels right now, seeking help is a courageous step. I mean, you heard that in, in each one of our panel members' remarks this morning. We're here for you. We have appointments available in our counseling office. Together, we can work to dispel the darkness uh, with light as we help you through. And if you'd like to talk to any of our panel afterward, um, we'll be hanging out for a little bit after chapel. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and this time. I thank you for our students. I pray, Lord, uh, that you would comfort each person here today with your presence according to your great mercy and loving kindness. You are a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You are a refuge and strength, a shield. Um, and Lord, we don't have to do this alone. That's, that's why you give us the church to support and hold up one another. That's why you give us professionals to help walk along when it's too much. We thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Bless each person here and those that were not today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.